Before I get started, I wanted to ask a question for you to reflect on. And that question is, what's been in your prayer journal for a long, long, long time? What have you been longing for? What have you been wanting, desperate for? For what have you been pleading God to God? Just think about that for a little bit. Isaiah 64, uh, 1 through 9, the passage that we just read, is a prayer. It's a passionate prayer. And I wonder when's the last time you've gotten on your knees and just cried out to God and then passioned plea. Maybe wept in that uncontrollable way uh, when no one's looking and it's not about propriety or looking good, but praying and weeping and crying out. saying, God, are you listening? Will you just hear me? Do something already. Are you up there? Do you exist? Are you powerful? Do you care? God, just that cry and that plea. And this is what's happening in Isaiah. It's a prayer. It's an impassioned prayer. Uh, When a toddler gets frustrated uh, or a little child gets frustrated, She jumps up and down, right, stomping her feet. Maybe her toy got taken away or it's time to leave. In my case, it's time to leave the playground and go home. All of a sudden, no, I don't want to go, no. And you can feel your face as a parent just getting beat red and aware of the eyes looking at you. And of course, the, uh, the people around you are judging you, right? What's wrong with this child? And what's wrong with this parent that their child should be so crazy and throwing a tantrum like this? And you just, can't, you just want to shut them up, right? Because it's a distraction. It's, a, it's an intrusion into the peace um, that's happening. May, or maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you're someone who has, who's just in the grocery store and has heard a child throw a tantrum. Maybe you're in the airplane on a red eye trying to get some sleep and a child is crying and crying and crying and they won't shut up and you're what are you thinking inside what kind of parents are these that just won't shut their kids up right that tantrum that hangriness right i'm hungry and i'm angry and i'm not getting my way and they're unconsolable inconsolable Um, But are there times as adults that you only see red? That life and the world around you is so frustrating, you can't even express it. Are you tired of the messed up stuff in the world? Are you tired of racism? Are you tired of people getting hurt by systems? Are you tired of men in power who are taking advantage of women in the workplace? Do you read the comments of ignorant people under articles and blog posts and you just like, why did I read this? I can't believe people think this way. I can't believe people believe this and you get so fired up and stressed. Do you feel abandoned by God? Is God silent? Has it been a while since you felt that first love, that intimacy with Jesus? 
Does God answer prayers? Are you tired of being sick or physically incapable? Are you tired of worrying about money? How can we be thankful? How can we celebrate and laugh and be happy and all Christmassy and holiday spirity when children are being prostituted in the world, when an unarmed teenage boy can be slaughtered in the streets by a police officer, when the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and it seems like God does not hear, is not answering. God, will you just come? And that's verse one. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, just come down. In other translations, it's, oh, that you would tear open the sky, tear open the heavens, and just come down. I want to experience your power, God. In the Bible, you are powerful. Mountains would tremble before you. And just look at how much shaking and trembling happens. And verse 1, mountains would tremble before you. Verse 2, nations to quake before you. Verse 3, mountains again trembled before you. And the image is of Mount Sinai, right? And the giving of the Ten Commandments and God speaking to humanity, right? On top of the mountain. And it's shaking and there being thunder and lightning and power of visible presence of God. And sometimes I'm like, I want that visible presence of God. I want you to shake this world up. I want you to start changing things. I want you to change my heart. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of my body being tired or incapable of doing certain physical, having physical limitations. I'm tired of going month to month worrying about whether my debt is getting bigger or if I'm actually cutting it down. I'm tired of that. We can't seem to catch a break. Have you been in that place? Just nod if you've been there. God, please tear open the heavens and come down. The, the prophet is crying out and asking God to be who God is, to be God. Right? The character of God is pleading for God to be in character and come powerfully and deliver his people. God comes down. God comes to us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Advent is about, is waiting for God to come, right? And the people of Israel, in the days that Jesus came to this earth, were waiting as well. They'd been waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come, right? Where is this promised Messiah? And people were hungry. People were thirsting for him. Come down, God, Emmanuel. And the psalmist is saying this. He's saying, you know, when you come down, the water boils, you're so hot. Right? God is interested in shaping and changing us. He... He disrupts the world. He disrupts our lives. God is a God whose hands get dirty. His hands get down and dirty. Right? He likes to get intimate with us. 
He likes to mold us and touch us and form us and push against us. But how do we pass the time when it doesn't feel like God's there, when we're waiting? And we've talked a lot in this service, in this worship service, about what is Christian hope? Essentially, what is waiting? Right? This season of Advent waiting. And it, it's certainly more than just, I'm waiting for this person because they're supposed to meet me at this coffee shop at 10 a.m. Right? I'm waiting. I take a sip of my coffee. I'm waiting. And deciding, like, if it's 15 minutes past the appointed time, should I leave or should I wait 20 minutes? Right? What's appropriate? Right? It's different than that kind of waiting. Or if you watch any commercials on TV lately, I mean, who, I don't want to offend anyone if this has happened to you, but who gets a car for Christmas? So there's this one Lexus commercial, and it shows a little kid growing up, and there's different scenes at different ages where it's Christmas morning, he gets up, he runs to the window, and there's nothing but snow, and he's disappointed. The next, next year or next uh, five years later, he runs to the window, there's nothing. And then finally, he's an adult, male, father of children. It's Christmas. He gets up. He runs to the window. And there's a white Lexus in the snow with a red bow on it. And there's like, don't you want surprises to happen? Your dreams to come true? Is it that kind of waiting? Are we waiting for Lexuses with bows on it? What is waiting? What is Christian waiting? And... To a certain extent, when I think of kids throwing tantrums, right, my own children throwing tantrums, at least there's an honesty to it, right? I want something and it's not happening and I'm going to tell you about it. This is how I feel. Maybe we're like, use your words, right? But at least the raw emotion is out there. And I think a lot of us are afraid to hope in a way that we would cry out in our disappointment. And a lot of us do feel that disappointment. We do want to scream, right? We do want, I, do, I feel this all the time. I always get this image of me in a room with pads. Uh, I don't know, maybe this is too much sharing. <laughs> and just pounding out on the sides like, Ah, why do I feel so trapped? Boom, 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 boom. If we were, like children, able to just let those things out, would it sound like the prophet Isaiah? If only, oh, that word, oh. Oh, if only you would just do it. Just tear open the heavens and show up. Please, God, I'm tired. So what do we do to pass the time? But most of us, most of the time, uh, can't deal with our longings and our sufferings, right? Our anger uh, or, or to experience our own anger so honestly and so intensely engaged all the time. We can't always feel, right, what our longings are, what our, you know. And I like to take people down to the pit of our honest longings, right? But we can't always feel it. It's not socially appropriate. Like if I started like on the bus, Andrew's bus, he's driving, and just started, oh, that you would rend the heavens, tear open the sky, 
weeping and crying, God, oh, please come. <laughs> yeah. It's like people would be, Andrew would probably kick you off the bus, right? It's like, that's not appropriate. And most of us, it would make us emotionally tired and just be too much, right? We would be, if we allowed ourselves to feel what we truly feel all the time, we would be a pile of tears and slobber on the ground. You would just pull off the highway on the side of the, on the median, the shoulder, and just weep, right? As the cars go, to open our hearts to the themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, love, is in fact a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous endeavor. Adventionality is a dangerous endeavor. To actually be intentional in our waiting, in our hoping, in our loving, in our expectation of peace and joy, in our experiencing joy, because all of those mean that we as, the, as Christina Cleveland said, we go into the darkness, true, true hope comes as out of darkness. True joy comes out of um, darkness. It comes out of an honest gauging of ourselves and an honest gauging of the world around us. Not sweeping things under the rug or just flitting over the surface saying, oh, Jingle Bells and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's something deeper, right? And engaging in that. And the act of opening up Pandora's box, the Pandora's box of our souls and crying out to God with deep engagement, it's really scary, right? To approach our relationships with intentionality. Like, I wanna be your friend. And when you reject me, it actually hurts, you know? When, you ha- when you're too busy to hang out or when you have something better to do or you act like you're so cool, oh, that actually hurts me. Um, to take a prophetic stance in the world and to lean into its poverty, its illnesses, and the injustice is really scary and dangerous. Um, so how do we pass the time? How do we wait? The phrase, pass the time, carries with it a tone of idleness, right? There's a book called Waiting for Godot we had to read in high school, right? And there's just two guys, and they're just, oh, we're waiting, we're waiting for Godot. All you know is that they're waiting for Godot. You don't know who Godot is. You don't know how long they've been waiting. They're just waiting. Oh, we're waiting for Godot. And that's what you think about when you're passing the time. When we say passing the time, you're just wasting time. You're just being idle. You're just waiting, waiting for something. How do we wait? If we read verses four through five, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who what? Who wait on him. Verse five, you come to the help of those who gladly do right and who remember your ways, right? How do we wait actively and intentionally in the season of Advent as Christians? Verse four tells us three things. Wait for God, right? God answers those who wait on him and those who gladly do right. You don't know, it's like what you wish kids would do when you leave the room or leave home. 
that they would still do right even when you're not there. And that's what Isaac, the prophet is saying. God likes those people who gladly do right even when it doesn't seem like he's around, right? Or present. And when we're just waiting, we still do right. That's a hard one for me. When no one's looking, I just do go crazy. And then finally, uh, the third thing is those who remember his ways, right? And that's a good one. When we forget who God is or it's been a while since we've experienced the kind of tactile, tangible reality of God's presence in our lives, we can forget. So it's good to go back and remember, right? Whether that's reading scripture, whether that's going over our journals, whether that's just remembering and giving thanks for what God's already done in your life. We need to go back and remember his ways. So what does it mean to, to hope actively? It means to wait for God, do what's right, and remember his ways. Amen? That's what it means to be active. Uh, the overall passage is, like I said, a prayer. And prayer is like the number one thing we need to do to be active hopers active waiters right what do you do when you've got nothing to do or nothing's happening pray pray persistently pray passionately pray over and over again grab people and pray together if people say can i pray for you you should like be a prayer hoarder right like i'm i, I used to be so proud i like hated when people wanted to pray for me no 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 don't pray for me Right? It's like, now it's like, you want to pray for me? Yes, please. Oh, please pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Let's pray together. Prayer, prayer, prayer is how the Christian, how the church actively participates in faith and hope, the hope of the cross and the hope of new life in Jesus Christ until he comes again and makes new heaven and new earth. Prayer is that which sets vision forth. Hope is vision, prayer is vision, faith is vision, love is vision, joy is vision. It's, it's speaking in the language of the kingdom of heaven. Even though we only have a foretaste, only, we only get like an appetizer of what is going to be. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've had a taste. Maybe you just got a slight whiff of really good food of the kingdom. And you're like, it's been a while, I've forgotten. I've been eating this junk for a long time. And you're just like, I, I will pray for what can be, for what I know will be. The Christian anticipation, hope, waiting of Advent is an active waiting. It's not a naive, forced, happy hope for the future when Jesus will fix all of our problems. It's a realistic engagement with the present situation and a groaning, a dogged clinging to the promise and character of God. And ultimately, the salvation and renewal and restoration and victory that will be when Jesus comes again. This is what separates Christian hope from merely passing the time. We embrace the now and not yetness of the kingdom. We get a foretaste, a glimpse of heaven in our lives now through miracles, through changed communities and emotional and physical healing in Christian community and through the joy of worship, the work of the Spirit, and answered prayers. 
verse 7, no one calls on your name or strives to lay a hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. The call is the opposite. Right? When God has hidden his face, no one calls on your name and strives to lay a hold of you. When God has hidden his face, it means that we're called to call out his name and to continue to lay our hands on him, to lay a hold of him, to grab on. I'm not letting go of what's true. I'm not letting go of you. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And then finally, the prophet says, Yet you, Lord, our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are the work of your hand. God is our Father, he's the potter, the master, artist, and creator. And God is in the business, you have to believe this, of shaping and forming, transforming and renewing. Will you allow God to change your heart? Will you hand, and here's a kicker for me, will you hand your life over to Jesus now as if it were clay? Like here, Jesus, just shape it the way you want it. Make my heart, make my life, and do with, with it what you will. Here you go. There's, that's the image. He's the potter. Real clay. That takes a lot of humility and discipline to give your life over to God, to shape it like a potter. And he wants to do that. He can do that. But it, it is those disciplines of hanging on, praying, and waiting actively, even when it seems we're walking in a dry desert. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that when you come and when you're present, the mountains shake and the nations quake. And you are a God of power and you have the power to change lives, to change our life, to change the lives of people around us, to change the world. And sometimes we get frustrated by the lack of change that we witness or the hurt that goes on around us or the hurt that we feel inside. And it seems like um, desperate times. But we ask you to come and we we strive, we ask you to help us uh, to wait for you, to do what's right in the meantime, and to remember your ways, and as a community, to continue to be people of prayer, um, to pray constantly um, as we wait for you. You are the potter, and we are the clay. Come and shape us.